Hey folks, it's Yannick Gwizdala. It's the Yannick Gwizdala podcast. In today's episode, we are answering the question, what do you really need to spend to get a decent home recording setup? How do you, do you make the most of what you have? What do you what do I think you should maybe start at as an entry level thing? What are some of the high end devices that are in my studio that I use for recording projects? And generally, what works best for you? I think one of the biggest things, obviously, the biggest purchase is some sort of door, some sort of digital audio workstation. So that's the one thing I'm not going to be discussing today. I'll tell you what I have. I have an M1 Mac Mini. Um, at the time I bought it, it seemed like the most sort of economical way to get upgraded from, I don't know if you'll see it in the background at some point when the camera swings around, but I had an old iMac from 2017 and it just wasn't cutting it. So that's what I use. I can't say one way or the other, hey, you should use this, you should use that, because that's just currently what I use. I don't really have a great comparison right now to say, oh, you should use Windows, you should use that. I just have experience with, uh, mainly with Logic, of course, with Pro Tools as well, but Definitely on the Apple Macintosh uh, operating system and and this kind of platform. So that's what we're talking about today. Maybe some preamps, some DIs, some compression interfaces, uh, maybe even microphones. Depends what you're doing. Really, really, I want to focus on the bass side of things. What does it take to play bass on other people's records? To be a sideman, freelance musician, and um, be able to work from home. Something. I'm guessing a lot of us started doing a lot more of in March of 2020 onwards, but it's something I'd always done uh, as long as I'd had the ability, as long as I'd had a home studio set up that started life as a tiny laptop, as a, what do they call it? The Pismo, the really chunky black Apple laptop from like the early 2000s with maybe two megabytes of of memory on it just something very very simple and without even an interface just straight into the the eighth inch input mic input <coughs> and yes i'm sick it's uh, i mentioned it on the last episode of the podcast that's why this one's so late i'm getting over bronchitis pneumonia some like upper respiratory it's, it's not great um i'm smashing some throat lozenges to try and get me through the episode but i've been basically immobile the last few days and it's been driving me absolutely nuts if you don't know this about me already I, I like to work I really really like the work so to just sit still and do nothing for several days while I'm trying to recover is is a real drag um, I just sort of summoned all the energy I had today and just put the camera on and just to try and get an episode out there by the way new camera finally after nine years almost I upgraded the camera uh, that's why I have this ridiculous light on in the background, um, just to really give it a test. Um, also, because I'm too lazy to get on there and turn it off. But no, it's just it's it's interesting how how much depth and how much range this this new camera has. This new Sony, uh, I got an A7C. Still got my old glass, full frame uh, glass on it, which is it, so far the the few tests I've managed to summon the energy to do have been awesome. And here we are, the first real video going up on the channel with the new camera. Uh, anyway, I'm digressing. I have two announcements to make before we get into the preamps and the DIs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, tour dates, I finally updated. That's one thing you can do when you're just sitting still and doing nothing is you can update your website. So I updated the tour page of my website. I'll link it below, but very briefly, um, March 14th. Uh, it's the next gig. I'll be here at the Baked Potato in Los Angeles with Bobby, with Bob Reynolds and the guys. 
Then out of town dates get going. Hicksville, New York, April 6th. Marlboro, New York, April 7th. Littitz, Pennsylvania, April 8th. Reading, PA at the Burks Jazz Fest, April 9th. All of those are with Steve Smith and Vital Information with Manuel Valera. Valera, Valera, Jesus, man, I can't even talk. This is going to be an interesting half an hour. Um, April 20th, I'm coming to Denver, Colorado to play at Dazzle um, with some very very close friends and uh, and compatriots and um, comrades shall we say with uh, with Gabriel Santiago's quintet with uh, with Justin Vasquez with Peter Stoltzman and with Wayne Salzman on drums so looking forward to that one that's uh, April 20th um, we're doing a three night run um, in May three four five May three four five at the baked potato with Steve Smith and vital information um, because right after that we leave for China and Taiwan. I don't have those dates posted, but they're coming soon. Into June, I've started to post dates. Indianapolis at the Jazz Kitchen, June 5th. Fort Wayne, Indiana at Sweetwater Sound, June 6th. Chicago, Illinois at the Green Mill, June 7th. Rock Falls, Illinois at the Belson Music Festival, Louis Belson Music Festival, June 8th. Uh, Oshkosh, Wisconsin at the Algoma Club, June 9th. Um, I'll be at the Dakota in Minneapolis, June 10th. Um, and speaking of Minneapolis, I'm actually going to Minneapolis uh, next week. Um, I was going to talk about it last week, but it wasn't like fully formed as, a, as, as an idea in my head, although the flights were booked. But I'm going to go hang out with Ian Martin Allison, who I'm sure you are all aware of from SBL and the SBL podcast and, of course, all of his own stuff. Um, but I'm going to go sit down with uh, IMA. Um, it's, it's a real well, Ian Martin has a big. It's a name. Uh, it's it's almost as much of a mouthful of a of a name as mine. A little more easily recognizable, of course, than a whole bunch of consonants and one vowel. Thank you, Poland. Um, but yeah, we're gonna go sit down. He's gonna do an episode of my podcast as a guest, so we're gonna chat about that. Um, and we're gonna make some videos about our favorite device, the like one one of our favorite devices. One thing we share in common: the Line Six. HX stomp. So we're going to, you know, go back and forth about how we use it very differently, actually, um, and, and make some videos about that together. So looking forward to that. Um, I do want your feedback. I want some questions for Ian. Leave them in the comments below. <coughs> wow. This might be the shortest episode of the podcast ever. Leave them in the, in the comments below. I'm going to try and take my voice down a little bit. This is not meant to be sexy at all. It's just uh, preservation of vocal cords at this point to get through the episode. Yeah, leave all your questions for Ian so I can sift through them. And I'm sure there are going to be some common ones, some popular ones, some some things you want asking. Make sure you comment below the video. Let me know. And we're filming next week, and uh, I guess the episode will be out in a couple of weeks from now. Uh, last tour dates is a three-date run at Birdland in New York, again with Steve Smith, Vital Information, June 11, 12. 13 and last announcement um <laughs> look what's hiding behind here bass players guide to pentatonics and jazz vocabulary for electric bass 251 are back in stock in the store so signed copies available shipping worldwide check them out they're linked below let's get into preamps and just gear in general i guess if we're not doing such a deep dive on the computer side of things um and 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 on you know Cubase versus Pro Tools versus Logic. One thing I will say about the actual software um, is that, in my experience, at least, almost all sessions 
uh, in, you know, where sessions are popular, you know, LA, New York, Nashville, London, uh, are generally done on Pro Tools. Um, I, I think every single one of my albums, except one that we did to tape and one that we did to radar, were all Pro Tools and they were mixed in Pro Tools. Um, and what I do is I bring those session files into Logic to edit and to augment and arrange and orchestrate and stuff. But then they always end up back in Pro Tools for mixing uh, for the most part. So I would say the Pro Tools is sort of unavoidable if you're serious about receiving sessions from people. Um, but despite that, my preference is Logic. Uh, Logic 10 Pro, whatever it's called. Very affordable um, sort of entry point in terms of price. I Off the top of my head, <coughs> how much is logic pro 10 it costs i want to say 299 but let's double check that i know it's all always an add-on when you buy a new computer i saw that recently can we just buy bum, bum, bum. you may if you're a student out there you might even get a student discount could we just 199 it's not even 299 it is 199 crazy what a price for an incredibly powerful tool so I highly recommend that. It's just, but it's also what I've used for over 20 years when it was owned by eMagic and it was, you know, when Pro Tools wasn't as established as the as the global standard that it is now. Um, and I, I find it better for MIDI. I find it better for all kinds of things than Pro Tools. So I track in that. Even when somebody sends me a Pro Tools session, um, actually, that's a good point. If you're being sent sessions, it really doesn't matter what you track in. And as I'm talking about this, I'm remembering that most of the time I ask people to send me a stereo file of just just a mix, stereo file, bounce down of all the stems of the story they have so far, what they want me to track to. Now, of course, you're stuck with whatever they bounce down. You're not getting a multi-track, so you can like push the kick drum here or take down the overhead. So you, there's a trade-off there. There's a little bit of compromise, but I can take a stereo channel, dump that in any music software, cut my bass to it, bounce the bass down as its mono file or export it as a mono file and send that back as long as everything starts at zero and they can put that into Pro Tools or whatever software they're using straight away. So I've actually, now I'm thinking about it, rarely receive Pro Tools sessions for recordings I do. I just ask for a bounce of the song minus the bass. Um, so yeah, that actually simplifies things hugely. Um, now, I'll tell you what I use in terms of an interface. I'll also rewind and tell you what I used to use. I am very fortunate to have a UA Universal Audio. Um, it is the Apollo X8. Um, it is, it's bordering on sort of too much, but really bordering. Like now that I have a kind of couple of mics, I have another podcast set up behind me. I have the podcast set up at the desk. I have the bass input. I have my my Helix rack down here. I am actually routing a bunch of things into the the Apollo X8. It started life as you know. I'd really come from a four channel interface before. I'd, what did I had? I'd had the Focusrite uh, Scarlet. Was it the two one two? Oh, that was a really long time ago. Okay, so the two one two. That's a tiny one. That is a two channel one. Um, and then I think I went to. <coughs> let's see. The 414? No. I think I jumped from the 2 maybe to the... Is there an 8? 
let's see, focus right, something like this. Yeah, I did have, I did end up with something like that. To be honest, I don't know. I'd have to run upstairs because it's in Chelsea's studio right now. Um, she digs using it. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, I think the preamps, obviously, in the UA stuff, the Universal Audio stuff, um, is are, are far superior um, on a lot of levels. And obviously, the price reflects that. Um, if I go Apollo X8 and then just wince at the price, Universal Audio, Apollo X, oh, that, yeah, that's not great. They're $3,400 for an interface. So yeah, it obviously does a lot of things. The The interface inside the computer, the software that comes with it is the, the routing uh, options, for me anyway, uh, have been fantastic. The ability to route computer audio into my door and just the amount of things I'm able to run through it and, and the amount of options I have are, are, are pretty awesome. So that's what I use. You know, when you're recording bass, you don't need eight channels. You don't need 16 channels. You don't even need four. So be aware of that, like a Focusrite 2i2 or whatever that was that I just saw at how much does it cost? Look at that. Focusrite 2i2 is $120 used, uh, brand new. It's like 200 bucks. So for 200 bucks, plus maybe, you know, you're a bass player, you want something, a preamp that's a little bass specific. So maybe we can get into that portion of things like what you put in front of the interface to maybe have not such an expensive interface, digital audio to digital uh, interface, but, or analog to digital rather, um, but you, you maybe invest some of your money on the preamp side or compression side or DI side even. Uh, maybe all of that's combined in one thing. Um, and then you have obviously multi-purpose options for that because you can take those pedals on a gig so there's definitely there are some lines you cross where it's you know you get to the point where you spend a lot of money on big pieces of gear that they end up being real studio pieces and then you come down a little bit and you start to get into the world of you know not thousands of dollars but hundreds of dollars and those can look quite different and be multi-purpose like i said and you're going to start taking those things out on gigs so let's see let's start with the Let's start with the simple, some of the things I own, some of the things I uh, use and have used over the years. I guess one of the most popular ones, one of the easiest ones to recognize, one of the easiest ones to use, and I would hazard a guess as to stay sort of the most versatile in terms of being uh, an option in the studio and an option to take out on your pedal board or on gigs would be this little guy right here. And hey, I bought this camera because the autofocus is banging. Let's go, people. Wow. I wonder if it's because it's tracking my eyes or, oh, my f-stop is just so, hang on a second. Yeah. Oh, there are so many things going on and so many things new with the camera that I don't know about yet. So let's see. Uh, this is the Aguilar. It's all kind of in focus, I guess, right? The Aguilar Tone Hammer pedal. Um, it's basically what is in the, the Tone Hammer 500 head minus the power section, I guess. And you've got some options on there. You know, you can really, you know, sculpt a bass sound um, and even get a little little dirt, you know, kind of push it a little bit. Um, yeah, so that's kind of, let me, let me see. I'm going to go, I will, for people just listening and casually out there not sitting in front of a computer, I will mention the prices of all these things. By the way, nobody is sponsoring this video. So 
This is all just what it is. Um, Aguilar Tone Hammer, it's 300 bucks. So look at that. For 200 bucks, you can have the interface. For 300 bucks, you can have an Aguilar Tone Hammer pedal. So for 500 bucks, you know, on top of obviously your, your, your computer, you've got a pretty serious and professional situation right there that is multi-purpose because you can take the Aguilar out on the gig with you. So that's, I guess, on the cheaper side, uh, I would say that is that is one option. Um, I have another thing that's like a quite the tool, quite the Swiss Army knife because it has EQ and it has a, a parallel loop in it and a ground lift and a pad and all kinds of things. Is the Miura K K3, right? Yeah, Miura, and it's a DI as well. Just like the I like the Aguilar has an XLR as well. It has a DI, so it's the Miura DI and preamp the K3. A uh, very nice piece of gear. I think it's definitely in a different price range, though. Let's let's take a look. Haven't looked at this in a while. Yeah, there's a definite bump up there. They're going on eBay used for sort of four fifty-five to five twenty-five, something like that. <coughs> and it may be one of those things that they're not even made anymore. I'm not sure. So that's just another option. I have because I also have and have used for many years where oh I thought I'd really prepared but I actually have to get up and go get a pedal one second all right I didn't recognize it initially because it's one of these that has a custom white body. Very few of these were made. It was like a little limited run they did. But this is the Miura, same company, the Miura M2 compressor. So this is a deadly little combo right here, but it's not cheap. And I don't think they really make either of these pedals anymore. Let me look up the Miura M2 compressor. Um, and also, you want to think about whether you are printing your effects. Yeah, woo! So let's see. I'm seeing some prices here. Guitar Center has a used one for 200 bucks. Oh, that's that's cheaper than it cost new. It used to cost 280 new. 279.99 the compressor. So yeah, so that's kind of a deadly little combination. Yeah, getting back to that point of you really got to think about do you want to print uh the the effects, the EQ that you're potentially using in the preamp and the compression. And by print, I mean commit that to the track. You know, it's once it's in the track, it's unchangeable. Once it's printed, it's there, and that's that's your sound. Versus going kind of clean, um, it straight into the console or your interface, and then working on the sound in post, in using plugins for compression and and for EQ and for for all of those kind of things. So that's a, a consideration. Everyone is a little different, and also uh, different different projects demand a different set of uh, a different approach. A lot of times, some things maybe are very live and rocked out and consistent throughout the album. And yeah, you find the sound and you, you just go for it. And other things need way more detail and adjustment from track to track, even from section to section. So that's maybe something you want to automate in post or just work on in post in general. That also brings up another point of, you know, how much are you going to pay for plugins for the high-end stuff you know one of the things i love about the apollo x8 is that it takes all the processing power of their plugin suite away from the computer but all of those plugins are a standalone purchase and they are far from cheap so you have to pick and choose you know you want an la2a plugin uh let's see what that goes for ua 
uh, LA to a plugin. Let's see. Uh, well, the plugin. <laughs> How much does that cost? Um, ba -ba 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 -bum. Audio plugins, universal audio, the Teletronics, the leveling amp, compressor. How much is it? Yes, I want to try it. Uh, I actually had, they actually sent me a package for, um, oh, it's $99. There you go. So for $99, you can have that, that amazing compressor, obviously in a digital form, but it sounds pretty amazing. Um, so there are other considerations with your sound there. And you want to be really aware of the producer you're working for, the eventual mix engineer, if you have a chance to know who that is. And I tend to ask a few key questions about what the overall sound of the thing is and what they're going for and what they would like to have as raw material when they get to the mix stage. Like I'm, you know, rarely, uh, it's rarely late in the production that I'm doing something. The bass and basic rhythm tracks are going down before quite a lot of vocals and guitars and strings and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, you know, I'm laying a foundation and there's a lot more to go into it. So I'm really not trying to get to any kind of final mixed state. So the LA-2A, the Tube Compressor plugin, is perhaps more of a mixing tool than it is a recording tool in that sense, if you're really early on in the production. But again, it's such a sliding scale and a vastly, it's just a super wide spectrum of options. And really the only way to understand all of it is to just be doing it all the time and experimenting. That was that a lot of the the songs I was, you know, a lot, well, a lot of the process of recording the Could I Play Bass With series on my channel, which has been a little dormant since I've been sick, but I'm going to get back to it. A lot of the sort of concept behind that was just to be recording all the time and uh, to be in that headspace of, right, I'm on the session, I'm the bass player, what does it need? How do I best create that sound? And getting my recording chops way better and just my my ability to play and engineer in, in air quotes i'm not an engineer um you know so yeah that was it's really just that it's almost like a practice session and it's something i highly recommend people do as much as as possible if if you want to record and if you want those sort of those reactive skills when it comes to oh you hear a track and you're like oh i think i know kind of what that needs because i've done 30 of them before i've done a hundred of them before you know and another important thing that I've really sort of, I don't know, yeah, rediscovered lately is monitoring when it comes to any kind of recording, whether that's at home or out in the studio. For the, for the most of my life, for most of my career, I've been such a fan of being in the control room and no headphones and hearing the full mix out of the speakers um, as, my, as my reference point. And it wasn't until we were in Argentina last year making Nightwatch, my, my new album, that I was really forced to play on a really shitty set of headphones and it gave way more honesty to the performance because it was very direct. Like I knew exactly what was coming out of my bass. It was almost too harsh uh, a representation of my sound. So that's something I'm all, also aware of at home. And I didn't go crazy with my monitors. I have these Yamahas. They're really basic. Um, uh are they the HS5s? I think they're the HS5s. Like, they're not fancy at all. I think they're about 240 bucks a side. Oh, right now they're on sale for 200 bucks a side. You know, so um, 
and it's a weird small space and I really important point here I do not mix like I'm not a mix engineer I don't know anywhere near enough about it to even attempt to do that stuff and I'm quite happy to hire you know people like John Davis and and Juan Pablo Alcaro and all the people that I've worked with through throughout my career to do that because they really know what's up so I knew I didn't need a pair of Adams or some crazy speakers for twenty thousand dollars in my studio I just needed some reference stuff really honestly to listen back to YouTube on uh, and just the internet it's that's about as much as as I do on them and, and listen to Spotify you know streaming stuff now headphones a little bit of a different story again I don't mix the the limit of it is what you hear on my YouTube videos or this podcast and sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's bloody dreadful so you know my range is average to poor and and doesn't get any better than that so the headphones have definitely helped out I got to take them off to uh remember what ones they are they are the bayer dynamic dt8 god i could have made this couldn't have made this any harder to read dt880 pros dt880 pros bayer dynamic um dt880 pros i gotta find these and tell you what the hell they are they are let's see here bayer dynamic dt not that expensive by the looks of things although actually oh no these are <laughs> okay yeah i misread it these aren't those at all they're the 990 pros i think oh and they're a slightly different color geez i don't know they're either the 880 or the 990s and they're just shy of 200 bucks um but they do make a massive difference over airpods or beats whatever you're wearing um and they were the cleanest uh, cleanest ones I listened to that I loved and th this is really my reference I'll, I'll rarely listen to the speakers for the final you know for the final listen of a YouTube video mix it's normally always on these bad boys so that was a solid purchase and has definitely helped my recording process in, in a big way so there's something definitely worth considering in this entire setup thing let's get to some more preamps um, let's go I mean, slightly on the more baller. Oh, you know what? I, I should really talk about this as well. Holy shit. So one thing you can do with the HX Stomp is use it as an interface. Um, so don't sleep on that. Like this could be your all-in-one, all-in-one of all all-in-ones. Um, say that 12 times fast. Yeah, it's you can plug it in via USB. You can turn it into an interface. It has obviously all of the things it has, thousands upon thousands of, of options and combinations and etc <coughs> etc et you know the deal the hx don't be able to what it is so for 5.99 or whatever these things uh run now you could have something that's like the gig thing the studio thing the everything thing with a ton of preamps and comp compressors and all of the things that come eqs that come inside as standard so don't sleep on that as the actual interface um and as we get to the more baller side of things uh you can't not mention caveman audio uh pretty pretty insane stuff um this is the bp1 compact uh preamp di and i have the bp1 the big the big sister uh obviously you can tell uh, whoops <laughs> you can tell there's a significant size variation in these two. So the BP-1 sits in my studio permanently, along with... 
the BC one. I actually had to remember to unplug these so I could hold them up in the video. So that's sort of my compression. Where's the camera? There we go. That's sort of my compression and preamp uh, home setup. It's quite extreme. It is very serious uh, and seriously high quality. And with that, as you may guess, comes a price tag. I'm going to go through all three options there. Let's start low with the Caveman BP1 Compact price. That comes in at $5.99. Oh, great. And they're all here in a row. So $5.99 for, for this, this, little, this little fella right here. Uh, the bigger one, the BP1, which has a, a mute button and no, which has a, the extra thing is a loop situation going on and uh yeah and a couple of extra little little things on the back um this one comes in at 8.99 all in us dollars and then the bc1 kind of the master compressor this thing i'm using uh right at the end of the chain when i'm recording this comes in at 6.99 so it's it yeah let's let's not beat around the bush for the for the compressor and the preamp it's like 1700 dollars um, it's, it's seriously on the high end of things. It is, you know, I don't want to offend anyone by saying it's not necessary. Um, but you, you have to, you have to assess your own, <laughs> the, the, the depth of your own pockets and, um, assess how, you know, to what level you really want to, you want to take the sound, you know, do you want basically a Neve 1073 and a pedal? Then yeah, this is not, not a freaking bad way to go. And it does sound amazing. So it's, you know, again, very sliding scale. <coughs> get to the the granddaddy of almost at this point i'm not sure when i got this i want to say it was like at least 10 years ago and it's a totally different thing it's not solid state it has tubes also has its own pelican case but the noble the noble preamp and di even has some power spots and uh ground lift little eq going on i have a very old one here one of the first ones jack made uh serial number nine and jack jack uh, where is it jack signed it right there he also serviced this for me recently as well which is very kind of him if you haven't seen that episode of the podcast go check that out i interviewed jack when i was up in santa cruz very interesting conversation about the journey of noble but yeah so in terms of peripherals that's where i'm at that's what i have um that's what i use on a on a regular basis um and it really, as you can see, the, 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 the spectrum is incredibly wide from an all-in-one solution like the HX Stomp all the way up to, you know, I, what is the Noble now? Sorry, I didn't check the price on the Noble and the wait time. <laughs> Noble preamp. Ooh. Well, okay, so there are two ways, two things two things two ways to get this you either go to noble.com which i definitely recommend um but the standard roughly 10 month wait list that's 44 weeks um that, that's a standard wait time uh is 12.59 plus shipping basically um if you want a rush order you can get it for $2,019 plus $20 shipping, so $2,039, which I guess when you go to Reverb and you look up, let's do it actually, let's go to Reverb and look up what they're going for. 
always, always interesting because the market's always out of out of whack. Um, Noble preamp. Let's see. Let's get the bad news. Ouch. 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 Yeah. So there's one from 2023 here. So somebody literally just bought this and is set and is flipping it for an insane amount of money. They want $2,650 for this thing and it's less than a year old. It could be. It could be a year old. And judging from the photographs, it looks like it's in mint condition. Um, they got the serial number on there. Wow, that's crazy. So that serial number is 2,297 minus serial number 9. Wow, that's a long way. 2,288 nobles ago. Interesting. Well, yeah, so you can have this plus $30 shipping. So it's 2680 This person is in Corona, California. Okay, 2680 2200 1950 $2,500. Yeah, these prices are pretty bonkers. Here's another one. There's one in Australia that's going for $2,739. I guess that's because of the exchange rate and the shipping is out of control. So, yeah, <coughs> it's crazy. You can wait 10 months and get it for about 1200 bucks, or you can pay double that and get it right away on Reverb. And there are only like one, two, three, four, five, six. There are six available on Reverb. And considering he's made thousands of them, that shows you how much people keep them. Um, like it's, it, it's it, mine goes into that category of, of things I will never sell. You know, if uh, if my daughter ends up being a bass player or any kind of musician, she will inherit that uh, right away and hopefully make use of it for the rest of her musical life. But yeah, so okay, there's that's like we did some live research. I learned a few things actually here because I didn't know what half of these things cost anymore. Um, of course, some of these things, <coughs> of course, some of these things I got sent for free back in the day. Like I said, Jack gave me one of those very first nobles. I have to be very transparent about that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my setup. That's sort of the range you can expect and there are obviously there are other things that you don't have to go out and spend 250 dollars on a on a compressor for instance there are there are lots of other options for that and a preamp you know i always talk about the exotic uh ep booster for instance um as being a great little preamp i got mine i think used at guitar center for about 110 dollars you can always look those up in fact let's let's look one up um reverb.com um ep booster Boom, 80 bucks, 90 bucks, 130 bucks, 114, 99, 85, 99, 130. I mean, it's just all across the board. Somebody's selling one for 167, 180. They're, uh, yeah, they're, they're really, oh, it's in Japan. Well, everything's more expensive there. Yeah, people are kind of hoping on, on some of these prices, but you can get one for 80 bucks. There you go. It's a great little preamp. Again, it's one of those things that you can take uh, out on a gig and, and use or use it in the studio for just a little bit of warmth or, you know, Maybe you're going for something different than the absolute direct signal of your instrument straight into the interface. Okay, considering the amount of editing of coughing out of this podcast that I've had to do at this point, I think I'm going to cut my losses. 
appreciate you guys listening, watching uh, as, as long as this, if you did. And don't forget to leave questions for Ian Martin Allison, who I'm hanging out with next week in Minneapolis doing some uh, doing some filming. He's going to be on the podcast. We're going to make some stuff for Line 6. Let me know what you want us to be talking about, what you want me to ask him in the comments below. And don't forget, Jazz Vocabulary for Electric Bass and Bass Player's Guide to Pentatonics is back, uh, are, <laughs> Jesus, are back in stock right now. Um, as always, it'll last about five minutes, but you heard it here first, folks. I try and give you a heads up. Um, as soon as they arrive so that's it hopefully back to regular scheduling as soon as i can get well again and be fully sort of fully operational till the next time love you guys see you uh, see you very soon <laughs>